This is a Radio 1 91FM FM podcast. Right now I'm joined by Julian Temple, Director of Crock of Gold, a few shower, rounds of Shane McGowan. Good morning, Julian. Good morning. Nice to be here. Thank you for being here. Um, can you make a fil- uh, documentary film about my life, but I won't be interviewed for it? That request would get shut down 99.9% of the time by any filmmaker. What makes Shane McGowan's request in that 0.1 percentile? Well, I like a challenge. You know, I've worked with other um, people who present issues in terms of, you know, capturing them on film. Um, But, um, you know, Shane is probably the biggest challenge. But that makes, you know, the the fact that he's difficult and legendarily so um, make for a more interesting film. Certainly, you know, a turbulent ride, but actually hanging on in there... uh, and solving the the problems that were thrown up along the way made for a better film um, than it would have been if the guy was just a possum who um, you know did exactly what you wanted, which he's not. Yeah, yeah, and I has and looking back through a lot of your films, uh, especially documentary side of things. Uh, I can imagine yeah. the vast majority of them have been quite challenging. Um, you've talked and interviewed uh, many interesting characters, and you know. Um, Shane. I think, in a way, if they're not if they're not difficult, they're probably not that interesting. You know, um, that's true. <laughs> the more difficult they are, the more interesting they are. Um, Shane, like Joe Strummer, I guess, is a storyteller, and so you're you're, you're telling the story of a storyteller um, yeah. from a storyteller's point of view, um, and yourself being a storyteller as well. And I know that's a bit of a quagmire, but. Um, <laughs> You know, so, so that makes things, I guess, I mean, also very interesting, but quite challenging as well, telling the story of someone who tells stories. Yeah, I mean, there is the thing of the unreliable narrator as well. So, mm. you know, there is a fairy tale aspect to some of these stories, but they, they're they so entwined with the persona that Shane has created and, and honed and worked on and presented through the years that... um that they're just as important whether they happened or didn't happen. It, it, it's kind of irrelevant. They they are seared into his consciousness as, as part of who he is. And yeah. that's what I wanted to reveal, that, you know, the numerous personalities that make up Shane McGowan and that come through in his songs and, and who he is, you know, the way he thinks about himself and about the world, you know. Um, and you get you do get a lot of different personalities from him, and you get different people bringing out those different personalities. So that in itself is well, interesting that, as well. Yeah, well, that comes back to the thing of him not wanting to do any interviews. So <laughs> you know, how do you get around that? Was maybe suggest that he does a chat with Johnny Depp, and you don't call it an interview, but you hope Johnny will ask some questions that are, are relevant to the film. Um, yeah or throw in some thoughts that get Shane talking in, in an interesting way about something you could use. Mm. Um, but it doesn't always turn out like that because, you know, they spend hours talking about Chris Christopherson for some reason. Or, or <laughs> Lee Lewis, and you're going, come on, talk about something to do with Shane. And it just, doesn't, just goes all over the place. But uh. what you do get is you, you get one version of, of um, Shane with... Johnny Depp and a completely different one with say Jerry Adams or Billy you know, Bobby Gillespie you know um, so you're seeing versions of Shane in a different way which you wouldn't get if you just had him in an armchair you know um, all yeah. the time 
Yeah. Um, your your early film, speaking of interviewing Shane, your your early film, Six Pistol Number One, was around this, the time when Shane was kind of, you know, the face of punk, not on the stage, but in the streets, uh, in the yeah. scene. Uh, and you interviewed him around that time. Could you kind of see yeah. what he would become uh, in, in those uh, early not at all, no. Um, I mean, I saw, a, you know, an impressive punk, um, a, you know, very keen to present himself as a street London street kid uh, with a, you know, um, an accent not too similar to Joe Stromer's, kind of a Mockney, Cockney yeah. um, accent, which you had to have, really, to be a punk. You had to stress your 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 glottal stops and vowel drops <laughs> and things. Um so, yeah, no, you would never have guessed you'd become Mr. Ireland a few years later. That yeah. would be the last thing you, you ever thought. You didn't really know he was Irish at all uh, at that point. <laughs> so the punk He just come out of Westminster School as well, where most British Prime Minister, or some of them, most of them go to Eton, but some go to Westminster. Yes, we know about Eton here in Aotearoa, but we don't really know about Westminster too much. Uh, um, there's there's a lot of archival audio in the film. I mean, how much did you have to go through? Well, again, this comes from the refusal to do interviews. So you have to go out and um, try and reach any journalist who might ever have interviewed Shane McGowan back in the um, back in the day. Uh, you know, see if they've got any kind of micro cassettes. Um, and, and surprisingly, a lot of them did. And, you know, despite, I mean, I, you could just about hear what they were saying. And as long as you could do that, to me, it was gold. We didn't have an interview at that point. So we, we needed to go with whatever we could get. But again, it made for a better film because you have the Shane McGowan who's living the story at the time it's happening that way. It's not a guy, again, in an armchair recalling it. So you have these fragments of bars in Helsinki at five in the morning in 85 or, you know, uh, Budapest in 83 um, or whenever it is, where Shane is very unguarded and very much living the journey that he's on. And um, again, his refusal to interviews, to do interviews, came up trumps in that sense. We got a much more visceral portrait of him than we would have done conventionally interviewing him yeah it's very true and there's a i mean there's a lot in in the film of his early life uh, and there's also a lot around um like ireland itself and the troubles and the struggles for independence um yeah. you know and we learned about that at high school but i don't think we really you know understood on the other side of the world what was really going on in the irish republic in northern ireland and in london uh, and probably to an extent up in Glasgow and stuff, um, you know. And but this is this is an Irish lad in London uh, at a time when there's also the scene coming up that is also anti-monarchy and anti-establishment. Like it's almost fate. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, we for for probably obvious reasons we didn't learn about that at high school in England. No, Shane um, certainly lived it as a you know as a, a an Irish kid growing up in London in the time of the Troubles. It was a difficult time to be Irish, uh, not just in Northern Ireland, but in, in England as well, you know. Um, mm. So he, he, it's really part of the fabric of his life. His Irishness is probably the biggest defining factor about his 
who he is and and, and his his greatest songs, um, you know, do <clears throat> do connect with his sense of Irishness. So you can't make a film about Shane without situating him in the way he does himself in that whole uh, universe of Ireland. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And Ireland has many voices and many heroes, but Shane was kind of the first to give voice to the London Irish. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, told the stories of the struggles and the migration and starvations, um, but also the stories of those uh, that were happening in London at the time. No one else was really doing that. And, um, you know, and in a way, he was probably telling the stories of old to a new generation that might not have heard it necessarily. Yeah, and in a new and accessible way, you know, he gave that whole Irish storytelling tradition and the music a, a real kick up the ass, didn't he? And um, kicked it into the <clears throat> the late 20th century because it had become a bit museum-like and ossified. <clears throat> so his great achievement was to, you know, to give that voice back to Irish culture, that, that, that re relevance and that um, excitement And, it, and in a way, it could only have come from outside Ireland. It couldn't have come from Ireland itself. And and I think at the beginning, people in Ireland, some of the people in Ireland were kind of suspicious of it. But in the end, they realized it was the real deal, you know. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, he asked you to make the film, but you still have to make the film, right? So the idea of the film yeah. as well. And you could have made a, po a Pogues film. You could have made a completely music-focused film. Um, why did you land on the film that you landed on? Um, well, I think Shane is too big a character to share it with six or seven other people. You know, you dilute who he is. Uh, I, I wanted to make a film about Shane McGowan. Obviously, the Pogues was his vehicle uh, to express who he was through his songs, but there are a lot of other aspects to Shane's life that you know, define who he is, his connection to Irish literature, his his involvement in Irish independence, uh, being being two of them. Um, but, you know, we did ask the Pogues if they wanted to, to um, contribute, but I'm in a way glad they didn't because it would have taken time away from really, you know, come to grips with this extraordinary human being that Shane McGowan is. Mm, mm, yeah, and he, and he most certainly isn't. It comes through in this film so brilliantly, um, so brilliantly. It's hilarious. I love, and, and you could have like you know focused on the music because the music is really important, especially you know. I mean, this is traditional in in, in a lot of the sense. The music is very traditionally Irish music, and you'd probably hear it in certain areas of Boston and certain areas of like uh, Australia and differently in Ireland. But outside of those places, this wouldn't be popular music, uh, and he put it into you know the, the mainstream in a way made it pop popular music uh, and made those stories um you know those important irish stories stories that the whole world would hear especially in the time when it was also um a lot of those stories came about in the 60s and 70s it's american civil rights movement as well so they're really important stories of, of struggle um at a time when the rest of the world is struggling too. Um, but where I'm going with this one really is... Um, where are you must, going with it? Yeah, yeah. I, but it must have been interesting in England at the time for this music to be popular, telling those stories. Telling quite, you know, in some ways... Yeah, quite, yeah. Quite. well, you know, we do we do show that it was actually banned on British media at yeah. times uh, because it was a very polarised time. You know, there was, a, there was a war going on in Northern Ireland and um, you couldn't avoid that... Uh, if you were living in London even 
at the time. So, yeah, it was a big deal. But I think, you know, there's something special about Ireland around the world. You know, it is it is the story of the underdog that the rest of the world loves about Ireland. It, you know, it was the first British colony, uh, you know, first people <clears throat> taken over by British Empire. Um, and, uh, you know, they've been fighting that for a long time. So, there's you know, there's a lot of love for Ireland, I think, as the underdog uh, mm. around the world. And it's not just the diaspora in, in North America, Australia, New Zealand, I believe, but, you know, other places. It's it's in Germany, it's in Japan, you know, they, they, people love Spain, they love the Pogues, um, they love particularly Shane McGowan's spirit and his songs, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's a rebel. He's a rebel and he's a survivor of a legendary yeah, portion. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, so, that's true. Cause I so was... in a way, he is Ireland incarnate, you know, that's what that's that's his power yeah yeah totally totally i was thinking about it just quickly and i wasn't going to bring it up but you know you're like five years older than him um oh, yeah. yeah and I, I found you know and he's lived such a big life uh and you know obviously he's looking quite frail at the moment he had a fall and you know he's in a wheelchair but my god was he sharp he seemed very yeah. very alert Mentally, he's he's all there, yeah. You know, he's a, and he's very witty and very funny and, yeah. and vicious and all the things he, we love and know about Shane. You know, he's yeah, still there. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, it's it's an absolutely a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, film, and I oh, love. You. I, I, you know, you, the way that you've used friends and family of his. And, um, to to get the stories out, um, as as well as obviously scouring through um, so much audio and video footage from the past, um, and then to, yeah. to have it all wrapped up with the beautiful visuals that you have throughout the film, just really, you know, make his oh, make, make yeah. his story that at t- that at times is a crock. Um, right. you know, he yarns a spin, uh, spins a yarn. I mean, his stories. I mean, you know, of you know, w- was he drinking at three? Was he drinking at five? Uh, was he doing this then? You know, that's all a crock. Yeah. You know, you. But that's that's the yeah, beauty. Yeah. That that's the absolute yeah. beauty of it. You know. Good. Well, I'm glad you got it. I hope everyone else does in New Zealand. That would be great. I think they will. And just one last thing before I go, my good friend yeah. Julian. My, I've got a good friend named Julian Temple. Uh, who plays, who's a musician here in New Zealand, but he's actually from the States. Uh, but he sends his apologies for stealing some of your Twitter followers because they quite often follow him thinking that he's you. Well, I, I you know, I do come across him sometimes. I'm not really on Twitter very much, but do send him my love and respect. You know, it's funny that he cares my name. But I am Julian with an E, you know that. That's I was named right. after the, the tobacco. Yeah. No, I didn't know the tobacco, but I knew you were with an E, and I like the fact that you realised that he was a thing as well. He'll he'll really enjoy that. Maybe okay, maybe, good. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, thank you so much for for joining us, and thank you for making the film. It's really wonderful, uh, and I hope everyone goes and sees it. Have, thank you. Nice have, talking. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Radio One ninety one FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.